have allowed me to figure out I'm not that important in the business. And it's okay for me to go golfing or to work on the business. And all it means at the end of the day, like I had to have these life events to figure out, you know, what matters in the business and, and in life. And really, I, I, when I have a bad month, it's pretty freaking good. And when I have a good month, it's insane. And that's just allowed me from a cash standpoint to be so much more comfortable and okay with going bigger on inventory or, you know, making decisions on a new product launch that may be a little bit riskier or, or doing stuff because it's also been eight years of doing it. So we have, you know, I don't have the capital loans. We've got no debt at this point, um, it, which has been like three years like that. But it, it took me those life events to figure out like, okay, I don't need an office. I don't need 10 guys around me hanging out, which is sometimes fun. listening to the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast, where we break down the financial principles that rich advertisers are deploying today to turn advertising into profit and get tons of traffic to their websites without killing their cash. These advertisers, agencies, affiliates, brands are responsible for managing over a billion dollars a year in ad spend. You'll hear about what's working for them today, their rich ads, and we'll roast their epic failures and crappy ads on the internet with poor ads. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of the Rich Ed Poor Ed Podcast. This is your host, Zach Johnson, founder and CEO of Funnel Dash. I'm with the one and only Dylan Carpenter. How you doing, Dylan? Good, man. Pumped for this one. We got a big e-com brand today. Yes, e-com brand and agency owner. How about that? Freaking double trouble, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So today's guest is, uh, is the founder of Bomb Tech Golf. And uh, these guys, I'm just excited just to be talking about golf in between conversations here. And this is the first golfing brand uh, that we've had on. And so we may just not talk about ads. Uh, Dylan. <laughs> we may just talk about golf. But uh, yeah, seriously, Bomb Tech Golf is, is uh, pretty interesting. They're going to be doing uh, upwards of $7 million this year with just two employees and a couple contractors. And uh, he's got an amazing story on uh, how he has completely uh, simplified uh, the e-com you know, business down to just inventory and ads and is on the golf course uh, most days of the week these days. Plus, he was also an agency owner, uh, e-com growers, which uh, works with about 25 clients that uh, all sell on Shopify Big Commerce. And uh, they... they uh, basically are a Clavio uh, agency and uh, dial in uh, e-com businesses, email marketing programs, which is definitely a, uh, a major uh, pillar to making advertising work. So without further ado, uh, Tyler, welcome to the show. Zach, best intro ever, man. Glad <laughs> to be here. <laughs> yeah, man. I so I'm excited to have you on. We met years ago uh via uh some lame wad. Um Eric Carlson. <laughs> the true the, yeah. A true legend uh with sweaty pants agency, which I think you've worked with before. Um Eric uh He's my go to agency, man. Anyone that needs help, I always send him his his way. He's he's the man. There's no doubt. Oh yeah, he's he's a legend, man. He also runs the uh, what the the uh, 10x accelerator as well. Yep. 
So that's how that's how we connected, and um, it was back in my agency days. And uh, you went down as a uh, salty solely from the very first meeting that I had with you and my team, where oh man, <laughs> where you had, you had churned through. This was our first meeting. You had churned through. I think you said like twelve agencies in six months or something crazy <laughs> like that. You know, it, it, it was a struggle. I I did. You know what? This is. This is all Eric's fault because he did such a good job that I ended up firing him because of my own fault. I didn't know. This is a good learning lesson for guys out there. I, I didn't. I had never really opened up as manager, and we had it was off season and sales were not like insanely high. We were at a six point eight x return on ad spend, and I thought things weren't going well because I did as an owner didn't know enough about ads to hire or fire the right people. And I had let him go, which is the biggest mistake of my life, honestly. And I had been burning through agencies, trying to find someone with no knowledge of like how ads really work, even to what I was looking for. So that was, that was the big learning curve. And that year was like my learning year where I had to jump back in and learn Facebook ads myself. That's what I ended up doing to then vet someone who I could then hire, you know? So it was, that was, that was a tough year, but you know, that's really like my big takeaway is you got to know everything enough to at least hire or fire them. So mm -hmm. that, that was, that was huge. It, it was a rough one, but now life is good again. And it's been a couple of years, two or three years and, you know, not working too hard. I think for entrepreneurs, you know, de defining what operational excellence is and what is a, a player, like everybody loves to say, I only hire eight players. Right. But you, I, I see this happen all the time when you start hiring these like director VP levels. <laughs> uh, that's when it's like very obvious. Uh, this, this was kind of my personal experience of, of seeing, you know, companies like churn through like three or four VPs. It's it's very obvious in the world of, of agency, right? Um, where it, it just takes you a while to really figure out like, oh, that's what an A player looks like. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that, you know, that took me like several years to figure that one out. And, uh, well, that's cool, man. So, uh, tell everybody that, that, uh, that's, that's listening here, give everybody a little bit more detail on what you're up to these days and how you got here. Yeah. So bomb tech golf is my e-commerce brand. We sell, we're crazy enough to try to compete with some of the biggest brands in the world in the golf space. And I did that really out of passion back in like 2011 i started i was trying to compete in home run derby of golf which is long drive and it's kind of i had no intentions of starting e-commerce business zero and um so i started like I, I was just obsessed with hitting the golf ball as far as i could i broke like 12 drivers and and i started competing and my like claim to fame is i won a local division which means nothing um i hit it i hit it like Three hundred. I'm, I'm labeled the world's worst long driver. Um, I hit it like 360 yards in competition. That was like my best. But in, in that process, I started assembling clubs with different components, and really was kind of disappointed. And just said, "Well, I want to make my own brand because I just wanted to." And uh, I had an unconventional journey. I contacted my local college where I barely graduated. The uh, university. <laughs> University of Vermont, I did the five-year plan, uh, which, was, which was fun. I lived in the frat house for the extra year and skied every day and golf, which was, which was cool. Um, and I worked with them 
and we engineered our first driver with a, uh, a group of seniors back in 2012, and that became uh, the dual cavity driver called the Grenade. And really, I had no idea about e-commerce. This was pre-Facebook ads, pre-the selfie. This is this is like really dating myself. Um, <laughs> and I launched it on Facebook on a pre-order, and I ended up selling like I don't know. It was like it wasn't a lot. It was like ten grand of pre-orders, and it was all from like Facebook organic. I had like two thousand followers, and just kind of documented my story. And then then as things happened, I tried to jump on things early. I did everything wrong to start, but then when Facebook ads came out, I was, I was on their early Facebook groups, Facebook Live. And now that business does between, you know, four to seven million a year with two employees. And I get to spend time like with COVID and everything this whole summer. You know, I, I was on the pontoon with the kids or golfing. Like I really didn't work much. And the business thrived and has best months without me in front of my computer. My, yeah. My, my joke oh, wow. is I can't even find my computer most days. <laughs> okay, so uh, tangent here for all you marketers, just go ahead and tune out here. Uh, so, so, dude, I just bought new golf clubs. Okay, I just got. They're they're not bomb tech, I assume. Uh, no, I didn't oh. go bomb tech. I got the Taylor Made M5 and the the Mizuno uh, uh, MP HMB irons. Cool. And uh, and then I went with. Um, a fancy putter, but what, like, what, talk to me about this dual cavity for a second. Like wh- <laughs> where, why, why did you end up there? Cause I mean, the TaylorMade guy's got a new driver every single year and they're just pitching like new tech. And like, uh, I guess like you've got the elitist golfers that are always going to go for the most expensive equipment. Are you just targeting like the hobbyist golfer? That's, that's like, I just want longer drives. And, and it, you know, it's, it, it's evolved and I can't speak to what the other guys are doing, but like my philosophy is really simple. It's if we have a product that's better than previous, we'll launch it. We, we don't have a traditional like launch calendar of like, Hey, let's launch a new driver every year, every six months, every three months. Yeah. It's really, I always try to outperform because that's my whole thing. It's, it, it was a passion play. I wanted the best clubs I could, I could make or, or get. And so when I come up with something new that is actually better, we'll launch it. So with that said, we're on our version three um, of their dual cavity driver 3.0, which now has three weights, um, you know, new shaft, uh, new head shape. So we, we, it's more of like a pretty cool. So we launch a product, then people love it. And there may be small tweaks that they, they're like, hey, you know, I wanted a little more close to be a little more draw bias or, hey, the shaft is a little soft. You know, so I get all this feedback and then I make a new version based on actual real customer feedback versus what I think the market wants. And that's really allowed me to launch new stuff and be really effective in doing that. And now it's fun because like now we've got, you know, full sets, we've got wedges that absolutely crush, but we make performance at value. Like, because we don't have retail, we don't pay pros. So like, for example, our wedge set, I know this isn't marketing, but is offer related. So it could be a yeah. a worthy thing for people to know. It's like a normal wedge is one wedge for 150 bucks, right? Yep. Yeah. We sell three wedges for 167. Mm-hmm. And we do a deal for 117. And you can imagine how fast those sell. The only issue we have is our price point to almost uh I wouldn't say a fault, but some people think they're too cheap. So I do. 
You know what I mean? I'm like, these are too cheap. I can't. I, I, I like, uh, I, I just immediately get freaked out. I'm like, I, so the, like the performance I know can go head to head with anything. So that's why we give you 60 days to try them. Like that good guarantee with anything e-com related definitely helps. For me, it was, I wanted guys and I felt so confident in the product. I said, yo, go for 60 days, go try it. Go to your golf course, go to your simulator, go try it with your swing. You know, not, not my swing or some pro swing. And if you don't like it, send it back. And that uh, model, it just, and now with the internet, being right <laughs> so prevalent with with golf because golf was heavy retail back in the day uh, well, golf has exploded with covid too well, that's, I a mean, whole other, that's a different discussion so golf has been trending down for 20 years but now golf is trending up so we've been sold out like i mean this year is just nuts i i really could have done a lot more volume but when covid first hit i went more conservative i was like i don't know what this means and that, that big order i have every march I turned into, I chopped it in half, you know, that, shame on me, but for not predicting the future. Um, <laughs> but golf's in a good spot, man. And it's really exciting from that perspective to have new people that have never golfed before to get into yeah. the game, you know, and I, I'm lucky and fortunate to live a life I never could have dreamed of. And now I actually get to enjoy golf. So when I go now, my official title is product tester. So I, I go out, I try new sticks. And uh, sometimes, you know, I, I get lucky and you know, I make a par. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, life's good, you know? Oh, my gosh. So how many times are you playing golf a week? <laughs> I was up to like five. Whoa! This is like Michael Jordan status over yeah, here. So now I'm more like now I've been actually the kids are back in like virtual school. So I'm kicked out of the house. So I, I, I'm like playing like nine holes in the morning. And then I'll like I go. I, I did get an office just for myself. And I've been really focusing on just like making better systems and then focusing on the agency of how to grow that and scale that. Cause I feel like that's got so much, so much room on that side and just trying to do more work though. I enjoy, you know what I mean? Well, I think you're in two great verticals during COVID, right? Helping e-commerce businesses grow because that's, you know, grown by 10 X in the last six months with COVID and uh, golf, which has also exploded. So you're, you're, you're set up, man. Uh, and, and, and you're golfing three to five times a week. That's amazing. Life is good, man. I have, I have no, uh, no complaints, even though the world is kind of insane and I wish there's more people I could give high fives to. Uh, <laughs> life is good on the business and family side, you know? I love it. So, uh, Dylan, take us down, take us down this, this path. All righty, y'all buckle up. All right, Tyler. So, you know, we love to talk about what's working good for you. So when it comes to bomb tech golf, what is something that's just killed it? Maybe a new offer a strategy, go ahead and release the beast and let the world know. Yeah. So I, I'm more on like the high level strategy side of things at this point versus like getting too technical, but I'll, I'll give you my best effort here. And like, it's, <laughs> it has been effective because it has evolved, right? Like we were yeah. talking previous to this about Facebook and I, I love Facebook. It's been so good to me. I, I, I can't, I can't throw any shade at it, but it has evolved. Right. So one thing we've shifted to uh, from a strategy is to really use social media to engage, right? And the goal of engaging is number one, to get your customers and fans that actually have real conversations with you on Facebook, Instagram, and email. And what that does, and I'll tell you how I do that, it allows our ads to be more effective. Um, 
And what I was trying to do, which worked two years ago, was I would I would be selling like on Facebook Live or in our Facebook owners group and say, hey, guys, new product coming, new new launch. And it got to a point this last, I think, year and a half, I can't remember the exact uh, inflection point, where it just would get like one like. And we've got like 130,000 or 120,000 followers. And I was like, that's not very good. So I just started asking questions people that golf would love to answer. So it went from like one like, no engagement, to getting 2,000 comments, 500 likes, and just getting the engagement up so our ads became more effective, higher return ad spend. And we took that overall, what I call a two-way conversation strategy, into our email. So email for us drives 45% of our revenue on Clavio, And that's because we treat our lists as, as an actual list of our fans and customers that want to talk to us. Mm. So I literally, like our big strategy in emails, we take the same approach as social and we ask questions, not only we want to have people answer, but stuff I want to know. Like if I've got a new wedge, like we've got a gunmetal blue and a, what's the other one? Um, Midnight I'm shopping blue. right now. I'm so I'm just on your side. I think I'm looking at these uh, yeah. so like, 52, 56, 60 set here. Right. So we'll do just like an A/B test. And like for me, early days, I was like, I'm the owner. I should direct the products and like what people want. And I realized my opinion doesn't matter at all. So like from an execution strategy, we'll ask like, Hey, we've got two wedges. One like let's say it's black and. Uh, Porched, like two different uh, just looks, right? I'll just throw it up there and say A versus B. And I am always shocked because I'm always wrong. That's what I've learned. <laughs> I've pretty much learned customers want the opposite of what I think. And by, by like being vulnerable and just asking people like, hey, which one do you like better in email? Now you're moving from the promotions tab to the inbox. And once you're in the inbox, magic happens because people like <laughs> you know, they're opening their email, they're replying to your emails, Google and Gmail sees you as relevant. And then when you have an offer, which we have many, it's getting to the inbox, it's getting clicked. And that's why we're having revenues of 45%. And then the second fold is when you're engaging all these platforms and people actually give a shit, is your return ad spend goes down. So we send an email and we do a big launch and do like 120K in a day. Because the email and SMS, guess what happens? Your return ad spend that day is like 90x, right? Mm. So it's we've been able to run a really high return on ad spend by just engaging. And we have to have good offers, but just having a two-way conversation on our, our biggest platforms, which is social and email. Man, that's super interesting there. Are you still doing kind of lives these days for the groups? You know, the, the group that we have, and this is one of my secrets, okay? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I'll, I'll give it to you. So groups were huge. <laughs> You're in the inner circle, okay? Um, <laughs> groups were really big, dude. Like when they first hit, and we would absolutely just, I'd put one post in a group, and it would just be absolute fire, and we'd sell like insane amount of product, right? And then groups weren't cool anymore. Like they're, they're still a thing, but they're not effective in selling to that extent. So we made it an owner's group where at post-purchase, you buy something from our site, I do all these little little things that make your experience better. But one of them is we invite you to an owners only group. Mm. And that group is just all about brand building and lifetime value and just having guys tell their stories of like, dude, I got a hole in one say, oh, hey, I shot my best round of 83. And it's all about them. 
So I use that as a, you know, this is our best audience or customers, let them live their golf life online. And I don't use it for selling. So it's an engagement brand thing. Um, and that group just is, is, is great for long, lifetime value and just making them feel a part of something bigger than just buying something online and then, you know, never hearing from the company again. Oh, yeah. What's your returning customer rate out of curiosity? Well, you would think with a capital expense like a golf driver, which you don't need every year, it would be pretty low, right? Because we don't have like a consumable product, but it's around 38%. Ooh, fire. Holy for moly. what? They go for the driver <laughs> first and then they're coming back for the wedges? You or? know, usually guys go iron set and then they finish their set and then they get multiple wedges. Oh, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <your own point. laughs> like wedges are more volume, you know, because they're lower price point. But the guys that go for the, like all of our clubs are really designed. Now we're getting off topic of the marketing, but they're designed <laughs> for guys to, that are regular dudes that want to have more fun. So they're really forgiving. They're long, but they're easy to hit. So you feel more like a hero um, versus like making a performance blade for a, a scratch golfer. You know what I mean? Because mm. uh, it's just like the market. I don't, I don't even know if I had it in, in, in mind with like the market. I just did what. I kind of wanted than what my audience told me through this two-way conversation, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. Man. I love it. This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's ad card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend. And if you're an advertiser spending tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on ads, and you're in e-commerce, and you're looking for more capital or credit to scale, then you're probably familiar with solutions like Shopify Capital, Brex, and Clear bank. The problem with these solutions is the cost of capital is expensive and they take a percentage of your revenue. One of the beauties with AdCard, when you combine it with one of our in-network, of our 5,000 in-network agency partners, you have the opportunity to qualify for free ad capital funding where we'll load up your ad card with an additional $50,000 all the way up to a million dollars of additional capital to deploy on platforms like Facebook, Google, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, and more. So if that's you, if you're in e-commerce, spending a ton on ads, and you're looking for a way to decrease the cost of, of capital, check out AdCard. We'll get back to the show. All right. I want to know you're not perfect. <laughs> Cue this up, Dylan. Cue this up. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we love to show we're all human. Sometimes people take so much more out of the failures in life just because it opens up a new door there. But go ahead and kind of show everybody you're not perfect. And what's something that, you know, you thought would kill it, kind of crash and burn? Yeah, so I've had a couple of good failures. Um, one in particular was an exact example of when I didn't listen to my audience. I launched a product called Beer Pie, which I was the beer pong champion at uh, University of Vermont uh, fraternity. <laughs> 2003. Yeah, I, I won like 21 games in a row. No big deal. <laughs> Never so, I did have a partner. Uh, we killed it. Anyways, because of that, and I'm younger, you know, uh, or was younger when I launched this product, I was like, we need to make beer putt, which is beer pong for golf. And social media, I posted, got a ton of engagement. Um, but I really didn't ask them like what they wanted in it. Would they buy it? Like, and like the price point, usually the stuff we would just ask to gauge. And it absolutely flopped. I made 2000 units when we launched it. I was like, we're going to sell out in like a minute. Like it's going to be sick. It took me two years to sell it. <laughs> Worst product ever. And it was two, two things. Number one is a product that my target demo 
didn't want. And number two, we're known for golf clubs. I, I've learned that it's okay to be, as a brand, be known for one thing and do it well. So I tried to get out of our comfort zone, didn't have the conversations with the audience, and it was an epic fail. So that was from the product side. One, one other quick thing is our old strategy about three years ago, when we launched a product, we would just say, hey, we launched a product. It's live. Here's an email. Now what we do, and our, our launches are about 50 times as effective, and this really allows your ads and everything to work, is we hype it with email and SMS. And what we do is we use a two-way conversation method where we say, hey, guys, we're thinking about launching uh, a new driver, for example, or whatever it is. Um, what, what color do you think it should be, right? So now they, as we're even tinkering with the idea of launching it, they're like, oh, cool, let's do a black crown, gray crown, silver. So they feel like they're building it, right, which mm -hmm. they are. Second, when we were about to launch, we asked people, hey, reply back, yes, if you want early access. Then we get thousands of replies that are tagged. Um, now we're getting that engagement. Now they get early access, so they feel important, which they are. And we'll hype it with like five or six, sometimes 10 emails. So it's almost like those big movies and the movie trailers where, you know, it's all about the hype. So we really have fine-tuned how to launch a product when before we'd be like, hey, brand new driver, one email. <laughs> and we're like, oh, that sucked. And then you have to use only ads. Um, so that was a big thing was a pivot. And that was about two years ago, two or three years ago, where we just epic failure was not email enough and not get people excited for what's coming, you know? Mm. Yeah. Huh. Thanks, total. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Mine exploded. <laughs> it all adds up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Zach, you know what time it is, man. It's your favorite part of the whole segment. <laughs> yeah, man. So I want to talk about uh, how you're pulling off bomb tech with two employees and really how you think about investing into the business and managing the, the, the cash in the business. Uh, I mean, I don't know anybody that's doing your numbers uh, solely and, and uh, is running as, as lean as you are. And so I want to get inside of the, the, the mind of just how ruthless you are when it comes to making new investments into the business from a people standpoint and just from like a, just across the board, products, software, stuff like that. Great. Yeah. So I, I've had a lot of like accidental things happen that were good. And th th this was not an accident, but having kids was on purpose. But what happened as a result was an accident and it was for leaning up. So give you some context. When I had my first son six years ago, I was working 20 hours a day, seven days a week. And I did that until he was like almost two. And I was working all the wrong stuff. I was assembling clubs by hand which was completely unnecessary. Uh, I was shipping clubs, doing customer service, doing, I did everything. And it was, it, it took me to my second kid who is now three. And I said, when I'm, when I was having her, I said, you know what, I'm going to take six weeks off. And I, I just, I don't know. I just said, it's not fair to anyone for me to be working this much. I need to figure out a way to do this. So what I did is I, I set up the business and became literally, I took a, um, I either automated it, I either removed it, whatever the task was, removed it, automated it, or delegated it, right? To, to a point where I could take six weeks off 
And what do you think happened to sales in those six weeks? It just totally bombed and you lost everything and bomb tech no longer exists. <laughs> exactly. So no, sales went up, right? So sales went up and I was like, so a lot of the stuff I was doing early days, I'm getting to the financial side, but how I, how I, how I got to a lean spot, I was just moving black and colors, playing with stuff in front of my computer, really not having a real big impact. And that was a hard lesson for me to really understand because it almost made me feel like I'm not that important anymore because I have really hired, whether it's an agency or expert, in the key areas of growth, which is we've got an ad guy who's a paid traffic expert, um, outsourced, who is not in-house. I've got my email agency, which I, I do own, but they manage it. So those are my two traffic and revenue drivers. Then I have my two in-house guys, which are customer service, which you could argue you could outsource, but with a high price product, I like having the guys that are golfers that actually care. Uh, so that's my only two guys in-house. I have a 3PL that does all the shipping, but it's all barcoded. I don't even see the products anymore, which was, that was a big pivot for me going from like fully custom to, to making stuff more standardized. Um, and that really has allowed me, like my two children have allowed me to figure out I'm not that important in the business and it's okay for me to go golfing or to work on the business. And all it means at the end of the day, like I had to have these life events to figure out, you know, what matters in the business and, and in life. And really I, I, when I have a bad month, it's pretty freaking good. And when I have a good month, it's insane. And that's just allowed me from a cash standpoint to be so much more comfortable and okay with going bigger on inventory or, you know, making decisions on a new product launch that may be a little bit riskier or, or doing stuff because it's also been eight years of doing it. So we have, you know, I don't have the capital loans. We've got no debt at this point, um, it, which has been like three years like that. But it, it took me those life events to figure out like, okay, I don't need an office. I don't need 10 guys around me hanging out, which is sometimes fun um, to move the needle. And that's always my biggest complaint is like, I'm always looking to like big levers that I can pull to move the needle. But really end of the day, it's like, you got traffic coming in that you can convert and you've got email dialed in. Other than that, I just focus on product strategy, like product ideas, overall strategy and, ma and managing those key people to make sure they're good. And I don't work a ton in the business. Like I was joking earlier about, I, I couldn't find my computer. <laughs> uh, so it was a hard pivot, you know? Um, and, but it's, it's really kind of crazy when you have your biggest day and you weren't, you didn't even look at sales until the next week or you, you didn't even know it, you know, which is, it's a total shift. And a lot of people don't want to do that. And that's totally cool. But for me, it, it makes us more profitable, healthier from a business and life standpoint. And why not run lean, man? Unless someone can come to me and drive me revenue. That's always my invite. Anyone that's like, Hey, I'll, I'll you know, I'll crush it for you. I say, drive me revenue. I'll pay you. That's it. Mm. I love it, dude. That's so good. And what do you think some of the big levers are? I think you just kind of said like one of them, which is product, right? You focus on product and you'll entertain conversations that are going to drive revenue. Is that you know pretty much your tool, two rules there for what well, you'll invest so like in? My focus is really brand. So like mm. a lot of post-purchase stuff that so we do, uh, handwritten thank you cards, thank you voicemails. Um, we do a lot of like, we'll send, you know, free gifts in every order. We have the Facebook group. So it's really a, I, we've got an expert at driving traffic, right? So that's, that's your, 
big lever. Can you find someone? And I used to go down the path of like, well, maybe there's someone better. Maybe there's someone better. Maybe there's someone better. And it's like, that's not the lever. Like if someone can run ads well, and you're getting a high return ad spend, consider that done, right? So I, mm -hmm. I focus post-purchase, how can we wow customers? And like, that's why my in-house guys do customer service. Although they're like, everyone's like, customer service is not a, it's a cost center. They have the, um, what's the word? The autonomy and freedom to, to literally lose money on orders to wow someone. So like, we will go at any length to make a customer happy at any cost. And that really word of mouth, people are just like, cause the expectation for customer service is so low that if those guys crush it, people are just so amped about it. So like for me, I just manage those guys, make sure they're happy. And I, I do the fun part like that. That was my other thing. It's like, what do I need to do or what do I want to do? And what I want to do is tinker around and make new clubs and go test them. So like, that's what I do. And then I just engage and ask the audience if they want it. It's like, it's not. And that who great. manages your, uh, who manages the website and the funnel and the socials? So I, I do post on social, which takes me about two minutes a day. Uh, we, I post about once every two days. Um, and it's usually a, a pick I had from the course and I ask you a question <laughs> and it's, because it's funny you ask that because I went so hard. Uh, one of the years we had our worst sales years, I had churned out about 100 videos. I had a video guy on staff and my whole, I did the Gary V thing, dude. Mm. I was like, yo, I'm just going to hammer content. I'm going to be relentless and just, and I realized like, okay, me just putting out content had no impact on the business. And it, it actually hurt us. And that was our worst year in sales because our ad guy wasn't dialed in and our email wasn't dialed in. And again, the last part, which is the product, the offers weren't that good. So yeah, I made a bunch of YouTube videos of me on the course, but that that didn't move the needle. So it's like, I've had all these little epiphanies where it's like, I've done the 20 hour work day, seven days a week. I did where the content train where I just literally just had a video guy shooting everything and did nothing. So now it's like eight years. I, I'm like, okay. You got you know, your traffic, which is Facebook, Google, and we do some SEO. And then I've got email, which is our back end for launching. Um, the only only big lever we can do, and this is a decision from a financial thing for me, is like, how hard do I want to push a return ad spend? You know, like it, I've always, I only push it to a point where it's really profitable. I have been debating, like this is one of my things I'm thinking about. Should I push it harder just to get more new customers because our back end is so dialed in? So that when we launch a new driver, we do have a lot of customers. I think it's like 70, 80,000 now. Um, but what if I have 200,000? You know what I mean? So it's, that's the one question I'm asking myself. I just, I don't know if I want to get bigger, which is kind of crazy to think about. Hmm. That is amazing, man. I love it. I, uh, you know, like if you were to ask me this three years ago, like pre kids, I'm like, ah, oh, I was just lazy. <laughs> He's like, he just doesn't have, he's just not ambitious enough. He doesn't want to go, you know, get it. And, uh, now I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm in it. You know, Max is going up on three in November. Henry's going to be six months. He just, he just had his birthday a week, a week ago. But, um, and, uh, you know, I've had enough failures under my belt where I'm like, oh man, I spent X, Y, Z dollars on this and this and this, and this didn't go and this didn't go and this didn't go. And, um, <laughs> I love how you're just like, oh yeah. So I tried a bunch of things that weren't growing the business. There was no leverage. So maybe the answer is just to like, stop, 
doing those things like all together versus continue to to try <laughs> i think the problem is it's so it's so easy to get caught up as an entrepreneur or someone running an e-com brand to to feel busy like where i call it well i didn't make this up before our work week tim did uh mm-hmm. w for w work for work sake and mm. it's one of those things where you just feel busy because you just you're doing stuff right but it, it took me like i was like you know what screw it i'm going skiing like i ski like 40 50 days a year and I'm like, I would just go skiing and, and instead of doing a certain task, and then I would look at sales and have no difference or I'd go golfing. And then it just kept on adding up where I'm like, all right, I got the right people. And that's the hardest part, probably. I would say, and that's why we started this off. You call me Salty Sully because I had, I had burned through the shit agencies that, could, that couldn't perform because number one, I didn't know how to hire them because I didn't have enough knowledge and didn't know how to do it. And number two, I just, it, it, it took me a while to figure out, and actually, this is a quick hack. I don't believe in hacks. This is a strategy. All right. <laughs> not a hack. So what I did to find my last ad guy, so first off, I recommend Eric Carlson for anyone out there. He's the number one guy. Uh, but to find someone, I literally invite people. I said, listen, you think you're good at ads? Uh, do a one-hour screen share with me. Build an ad with me. If your ad beats my ad, you, you're hired. And so it was two parts. Number one, I would learn if they had something valuable to show me. Um, and number two, if they beat me, they're hired. It took me 12 guys to actually have a strategy method and make an ad that beat my ads. And he was hired. That's so good, man. I love it. You know, that was a big emphasis of why, you know, with AdCard, just a, a live native uh, self-blatant promotion here for, for AdCard. Like one of the reasons we wanted to add this media buyer matching and recruiting concierge instead of like a concierge that you call the, to the book of flight is because like there's so much leverage in like getting the right media buyer, the right partner uh, on board uh, can unlock massive levels of, uh, of scale for, for that advertiser. Same on the, same on the creative front, right? Like, you guys, I'm sure you guys took a while to kind of figure out like what creative uh, really works in terms of how you're able to engage those two-way conversations, you know, on the ads and and whatnot. But I love that approach, right? Of yeah, you know, you, you pretty much like don't care about the audit, you don't care about the strategy, you don't care about the case studies. Just build an ad with me for an hour. Well, I figured I would learn. You know, that was the thing. And, and a lot of these guys, yeah. when they would go in front of me on like this the screen share, they would fumble and they were like, ah. Uh, you know, the strategy crushes. I was like, just let's just do it. And I would actually do all the clicking, which was the crazy part. But like, tell me what to click. And they were so annoyed. But then I was learning. And then a lot of guys was like, whoa, you know nothing. And their ads were like 0.2x. And I was running them at like a 3.9. So I wasn't like, I'm no slouch, but I was not, I'm no expert either. But enough to be like, all right, you guys know what's up. And it just, that was my only way, you know? So it's like, Versus yeah. back in the day when I was working all those hours, I was betting agencies all day. So like if ad card can, can uh, make a straighter path to finding a partner, like that's really, that's the value, man. You know, like for, for me, it's like, if you can find people that have done it and that can do it for you and you worry about the brand, the product and yeah. the experience. And like for us on the email side, same thing. It's like, man, you know, email is one of those things that's so misunderstood. So like when we are bringing on a new client and we do a video on it or we go into your account and just show you and you can just take it if you want and try it or we can do it for you. So it's just like my whole thesis is like keep things simple, 
and just d do it instead of talk about it. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, I don't know. I just think my approach to life and business is just simple because that's kind of how I am. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, uh, dude, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for just opening up the kimono on how you rock bomb tech. Tell everybody a little bit about what you're up to now, how we can support you and how folks can get in touch. Yeah, totally. So if you're an e-com brand uh, looking to drive more revenue with email or SMS, we have a, this is pretty cool. We just hit platinum about two months ago with Clavia. So we're top 25 uh, Clavio agency. And I think the only agency that runs an econ brand too. And that was my whole thing. I was like, agencies have had so many bad experiences. I don't want to be an agency. Uh, but it's pretty cool. My first employee runs that. So my employee from BombTech is now my co-founder. Uh, so you can check us out at ecomgrowers.com. We'll do a free video audit of your Clavio or MailChimp or whatever you're on for an ESP. And if you guys like to golf, bombtechgolf.com or you guys can hit me up on LinkedIn under Tyler Sully Sullivan. I've been pretty active and enjoying having conversations on LinkedIn. I love it. There you have it. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast. If you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and richadpoorad.com slash podcast. And if you absolutely love the show, go ahead and leave a review and a comment, share with a friend. If you do, take a copy, screenshot of it, email me, zach at funnel-dash.com, show me you left a review, and I'll give you a free copy of the Rich Ad Poor Ad book. To learn more about the book, go to richadpoorad.com. To leave a review, go to richadpored.com slash review. Thanks again.